0: Hey, hey, you, stop what you're doing, especially if you're sabotaging yourself. One of the most important projects you'll ever work on is getting out of your own freaking way. And guess what? I've got someone to help you with that. Rachel Wilson Thibodeau, my little big sister, award-winning speaker, digital marketing consultant, author, brand strategist, and not to mention she's an expert at wearing high heels, because she's kind of height challenged, if you know what I mean. But on the flip side, she sounds taller than she really is. Okay, I digress.
1: Welcome to the Project Get Out of Your Own Way podcast with Rachel Wilson Pisado.
0: Hey, brilliant people. It is that time, folks time to get out of your own freaking way. And I, Rachel Wilson Thibodeau, your host, I'm here to help you do that. So how are y'all doing? I'm doing good. I am excited about 2020. I am excited to bring you guys another get your business and life all the way together episode. Yes. I had the pleasure of talking to Kiara Fenderson, founder of the Ambition Studio. Kiara is a certified coach whose main superpower—now she has more than one—but I would say her her biggest superpower is leading entrepreneurs and other high achieving professionals to embrace and leverage their ambition. Sometimes. I don't know if if any of you have noticed this but sometimes uh, particularly for women ambition can be kind of a dirty word it it shouldn't be but sometimes that is the case and it can also mean burnout frustration overwhelm if it's not properly navigated so care is going to help you guys with that we will get more into that in just a moment. Now this episode is brought to you by the Dominate Digital 2020 Master Class. Something else I am excited about. How many of you, especially if you are an entrepreneur, whether that means you're in direct sales, you sell a product, you sell a service, you maybe a coach, a consultant, a, a, another type of service provider, you're, you're a marketer. How many of you are f- a bit frustrated, maybe more than a bit frustrated with trying to really make social media and other digital media work for you? Maybe you have been told you need to post three, five, or 10 times a day. Maybe you've been told you need to show up in 25 plus Facebook groups every day, all day. Maybe you've been told you, you need to create content constantly. Hey, I, I get it. I, I understand. And I'm not saying that those things don't work. However, those things can be more time consuming And it's getting more challenging for those things to work because of the the market environment we're in, especially the online environment. So in Dominate Digital 2020, I am going to be pulling back the curtain, essentially, on what has worked very well, strategies, hacks that have gotten me and some of my other marketer friends awesome results and without having to do all that stuff I just mentioned that that is the beauty of this this masterclass is to teach you how you can go beyond just posting just creating content and some of the other things that we we usually hear about in the digital space So this is something you do not want to miss. You can find out more about that and grab your seat because this this is going down on Sunday, January 26th. If you are not able to make it live, you can get a recording that is if you register. So to find out more, go to www.bit.ly forward slash twenty twenty. Dominate Again, that is www.bit.ly forward slash 2020 dominate. B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash 2020 2020 dominate. Go there to find out more information and reserve your spot. All right. Without... Any further ado, let's jump into this juicy episode, episode seventeen, with Kiara Fenderson. Hey, 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 my brilliant people! Welcome back to Project Get Out Your Own Way podcast. In today's guest chair, we have none other than Kiara Fenderson, and you are going to want. To take notes so if you are able to it, as long as you're not driving or something although I know some of you will try that I uh, d- don't do that <laughs> if you are able to take notes grab a pen grab a paper grab your tablet whatever you take notes with because you're going to want to make sure that you capture this so
1: Kiara, how are you I'm wonderful. I'm so excited. And you're right. They are going to want to take notes because we're going to drop some gems today. This is going to be a lot of fun. I figured,
0: I figured as much. <laughs> yes.
1: Yes. So, guys, let me share
0: just just a bit about Karen And then, of course, we will jump more into this. Kara is a professional speaker and certified coach who helps successful leaders reinvent their relationship to their ambition. Now, I'm thinking you guys may have missed that even. So let, let me just repeat that. She helps successful leaders reinvent their relationship to their ambition. She has inspired business and professional women's audiences with her dynamic keynotes, TED-style talks, and interactive workshops to embrace a new style of ambition and step into their mogul mindset. Before becoming a coach, Kara led teams as a marketing director for more than 10 years. She secretly geeks out, maybe not so secretly now, (laughs) geeks out on, okay, maybe not so secretly, (laughs) productivity, personal branding, and high performance. She holds the professional certified coach credential from the International Coach Federation and a BS in marketing from George Mason University. So, Kiara, I have a really, really important question for you. I I always open up the interview with this very important question. This may be the most important question of our our time together. Are, Are you ready?
1: I'm ready. Okay. <laughs> little girls so, ready.
0: I happen to know that that you are expecting. Yes. Yes, we're expecting our
1: first little girl soon.
0: Expecting the first little girl. Okay. So just just share with us. I mean, it's it's just you and I, just maybe a couple of other people. What food have you <gasps> eaten? <laughs> that was just bad that you'd probably feel guilty about, because i I know that you you tend to eat eat pretty healthy, so just come on, tell us what what have you eaten that, that was kind of a guilty pleasure and <laughs> frankly, is you don't feel guilty about it, maybe you would ordinarily, but you're just like
1: whatever i I literally just got in trouble with my o b about this last week. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Listen, the carbs craving has been so real. And yes, I typically do eat fairly healthy. I love the books. So I'm always in the kitchen. My guilty pleasure is Outback cheese fries. There's something about their dressing, their oh, cheese, their bacon. Those in a while. <laughs> mm. Listen. So you know I had to go online and figure out how they made their dressing. So now I have a whole container of homemade Outback Steakhouse dressing and I will make cheese fries so quick, like you don't even know. Bacon is ready. The cheese fries are ready. It's crazy. Okay, so we we
0: have the recipe for not just the cheese fries, but the dressing as well.
1: I'm trying to look out for my husband so he don't have to leave every day. He just popped the okay.
0: fries. Yeah, that, <laughs> yeah. is that is something to consider. Okay. <laughs> so I see there's there a strategy. There, there was a strategy. There. I don't want to hear any
1: excuses. When I want my cheese fries, everything's there for him to make.
0: <laughs> want the cheese fries. Okay. All right. So, guys, you may have heard kind of a theme when I, I was reading uh, Sharon Kiara's bio, and that's ambitious. Okay, so this this is what I want to know because obviously you work with a number of women in helping them kind of accept and embrace their ambition. How and when did you become comfortable with your own ambition?
1: Well, I never realized that I was so ambitious until I constantly kept getting it reflected to me. I remember a story my mother told me. We were, I was a little girl and we were sitting at the kitchen table playing with Play-Doh. I love playing with Play-Doh, y'all. Like Play-Doh is my form of expression. And my mom has her Play-Doh and she's making her thing and I have mine and at the end, my mom had made a little ashtray. Like my mom's not that creative, right? So it's like a little bowl, let's call it a bowl. Okay. She looks over at my creation. I kid you not, she said, You made a little girl walking across the bridge, and the bridge had like a handrail, it was curved up over the river, and the little girl was 3D. <laughs> You did all this with Play Doh? All this. Listen, I will make some bomb things with Play Doh. And so my mom looks over and she goes, Oh, wait. And she grabs some scraps of Play Doh and she hurries up and makes little balls and makes a little um, handle. And next thing you know, she turned it into an Easter basket. And I had no idea. Like in my head, it was just, I'm going to make whatever I make. My mom was like, wait, 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 let me step up my game. And so for years growing up in school, I kept getting the reflection that. You know, wow! You're really exceptional. You're over the top. And then in my career, when I first started professionally as a marketer, um, I kept getting this thing about like um, my eye for excellence or how far my goals were, and and I never actually noticed this. And I don't think it was truly until um, I became a manager. When I became a director of marketing was when I was managing a team, and I really got to see where other people's par were and and realized that I had an eye for excellence. I had a certain vision and it was much higher than most people's standards. Ah. It was much higher than average. And I realized then that, and, and we'll talk about this a little bit later, but it was something to, to really balance because I found that myself and the clients that I work with, when you're highly ambitious You think you can take on a whole bunch of things and you usually can because you have that drive and you have that vision and you have that skill of execution, but it also can be a really hinder, a big hindrance because it can burn you out. And so being able to recognize when the excellence is important is something to balance with understanding that like sometimes average is okay. Mm. Okay.
0: All right. So you you talked a little about your corporate life, Mm -hmm. and and I know you did a lot in the corporate arena before transitioning to running your own business. Tell us more about what it looked like in terms of you kind of getting in your own way, especially Mm -hmm. during that transition from the corporate world to entrepreneur.
1: Yeah, for sure. So, um, to have it all make sense, I'm going to go back to the 10 years that I was in the corporate rat race. And one of the things that, again, a lot of people recognized in me was oh, she's really ambitious and she can walk or talk, she can get it all done. And so, I noticed in hindsight that a lot of my superiors would give me the stretch goals. I would be sitting right next to my colleague who is an equal level director, and the amount of, of achievement or the goal expectation was much higher on me than my counterpart. And mm. so I always took that as a challenge. I was like, okay, well I'm going to make it happen. And after, you were but- pretty young. I mean, cause you're still young. Yeah. <laughs> like you were really <laughs> young and <then>, right? <laughs> Younger. Yeah. So to put it into perspective, I got out of college and had my first marketing job, looked around. And this is that ambition, right? I looked around and was like, I could do your job. I could do your job you know what i'm gonna be a marketing director before i even hit 30. (laughs) you know the hustle in your 20s and i kid you not i hit it i became the youngest marketing director in my company at 29 years old well the youngest director yeah so you would think that at that point i would have my ambition under control i know exactly what i'm doing nah it put me on this cycle of striving and achieving for more and more and more and so i was attaching my accomplishments to my self-worth and when i started to do that oh, hold, okay hold on I, oh, okay I don't, want, don't want anyone <laughs> to miss that say, say that again i was attaching my accomplishments to my self-worth uh-huh. so if i was able to hit those stretch goals i was worthy and i was going to receive praise if I couldn't make my team hit those stretch goals, I was a failure. I internalized it. Wow. I took it personally. And a lot of us do that. And so there had to be a lot of transformation that helped me detach from that when I stepped into my career. So here's what happened. So I'm hustling and I'm grinding and, and attaching my self-worth to my achievements and what keep hitting the mark, keep hitting the mark, ignoring the stress, the fatigue, mm-hmm. the burnout, the husband feeling like he's a roommate. I'm telling you, quality of life <laughs> was not good. But mm-hmm. on the outside, I looked like I had it together. Absolutely. And I jumped from one, co- one company to another company because in my head, I'm unhappy because of the company. But I was mm-hmm. truly unhappy because of how I was relating to my ambition. Mm. I thought the more you achieve, the happier you'd be. And in fact, it was the opposite. And I burned out. I burned out probably two or three times. By the last time, God was like, no more. We're not doing this again. And I lost my job. Well, that'll do it. Yeah.
0: That'll get your attention.
1: (laughs) Yes, girl. Because before that, you had changed jobs, right? I had changed jobs three or four times. And I was just looking for that dream job. My dream job was this. Okay, so Rachel, hear me out. This is my dream job. The whole time I was in corporate, I wanted to be an entrepreneur, but I was afraid because there's so many risks, there was no guaranteed success. Yep. And so at my last job, I compromised. I said, All right, God, let's let's compromise. You know you can't compromise with God, but oh, we, we yeah. tried. <laughs> yeah. I said, if I could become a marketing director at a tech startup company. I'll get the best of both worlds. I'll have my security of knowing what I'm doing, but also get to be in the entrepreneurial environment. And that way I'll be good. Like that's a good compromise. Even though he was pulling me to be my own business owner.
0: Okay. that's That doesn't sound
1: like a mm-hmm. bad compromise. Until he gave me three months into that job and was like deuces. And I got fired. Mm. Now I, this is a whole nother story for a whole nother day, but let's just say, The cause, not even let's just say the real cause that they gave me for my termination was I wasn't a good cultural fit. You were not a a good cultural fit. Hmm. Yeah, you know. Okay. (laughs) They were in a time, and this is something to think about in business as you're scaling. They and this was a venture-backed startup. And so they were, they had all this cash. They had all this growth that their investors wanted them to have, but they were still operating like if they were out of their garage. And so their investors had instructed them to hire people who had that corporate background, who had that system, that structure, who could get it together. Yeah. I had it, but they weren't ready for it. And yeah. so it didn't mesh with where their culture was to be able to get this stuff together. And when you're ambitious, I don't have time to wait for you to, you know, I was, I was moving things along quickly right. and they, they weren't keeping up. So in the end, I wasn't a good cultural fit. God was like, no, we're not doing this. I get fired. And, um, and clear as day, I said, all right, I guess it's time to just do my own thing. And, and what, Carol, let me stop you a moment yeah. because e-
0: even there, there's a, a lesson <laughs> with that. You said that you you attempted this compromise with God and, and you said, let me be a, you know, let me get a, a job with a startup, with a tech startup. And so that happened, but it's interesting that you know, a, a lot of times God will allow us to get what we think we want, and sometimes even what we ask for, only to show us it's not what we need.
1: Yeah, it, it's not
0: really where we're supposed to be. But you yeah, know, we don't we don't really get that until we're in it.
1: And if you pay attention, and this is one of the core things that I teach my clients as we work on integrating the doing, that ambition part with the being, which is like your intuition and paying attention and listening to those hunches, I have so many intuitive hits. I call them pebbles. God just kept throwing pebbles like, oh, hey, yeah. that ain't right. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's not it. I don't know. The moment I walked into that startup office, I was like, I don't know about these people. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so there came a point, and I'm stubborn, that's that ambition again, where he had to say, I'm going to stop throwing you pebbles, and I'm going to hit you upside the head with a brick. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes your intuition is going to throw pebbles, and then it throws bricks. Pay attention to the pebbles so you don't don't have to get hurt by a brick.
0: Right, right. So, what about once you got into entrepreneurship? Because we're we're at, at the point where you're kind of like, okay, you, I, I'm done. You you God, I get it. Yep. And so, tell tell me about the first hmm, year or two of being in your business and how you kind of navigated that, and, and, and in relation to your ambition.
1: Yes, for sure. So um the first year of my business was also the first year of my coach's training program. So I took an intensive 12-month program. And one of the challenges in the program was to get paid clients. Well, you could get pro bono clients, partial paid clients, or paid clients. The only way I was affording to go to this program on unemployment was to get full paid clients. Mm -hmm. And so What I thought was going to work was just bring your ambitious corporate hustle into your business. You know how to hit goals. You know how to achieve. But it's a whole different game when you are trying to figure out what your services are, trying to have the confidence in your skill set, trying to articulate your value, um, trying to get the structure together. You know, being a marketing director was one thing. But running a whole company was a whole other thing. And so what did I do? Same practice. I worked nights and weekends. I was being trying to be perfect with everything. Mm-hmm. I put a lot of pressure on myself. And I took a lot of the failure personally. Because, again, I was still in that mindset of what I accomplished was connected to my self-worth. So that first year, <sighs> Say it was 50 50. I definitely did well in terms of landing some corporate deals and deals with clients that replaced my income. So that was excellent. But it was where I was creating from that was burning me out. So by the end of the year, on paper, once again, just like if you're watching me in my career, everything was good. The Ambition Studio was um, making revenue, I had replaced my salary. But if we were to do an evaluation of Kiera, she was exhausted. She was burnt out. She still had self-doubt. There were a lot of things that still needed to be dealt with on the inside. That is that
0: is interesting because I think so many entrepreneurs, business owners, and especially newer entrepreneurs, and even those who are holding down the, the nine to five, or maybe they, they have the side hustle and they think all that matters is they can make money and they can replace, especially if they can replace the income from their job. They think everything is golden, but yeah. you're, ex- you are an example. And I mean, I hear this all the time where that may happen, the money may be there. You you you're generating revenue, you may even be profitable within mm-hmm. the first year or two of your business, but at what cost? Yeah, yep.
1: Yeah. And those habits, they're not sustainable. They're not. And I mean, yeah, get you through that first year, but by the end of that year, I had to look back and go, something has to change. I mean, I felt burnt out with what I thought once again was the dream job. And and that's when I really had to make a shift. That was when I realized that this belief that I kept saying, well, I don't know if I kept saying it, but I recognized it, was broken. My self-worth was not attached to my accomplishments. Mm-hmm. So then what was my self-worth attached to? Or was there attachment mm-hmm. at all? Like where did I where did I draw my sense of value and worth if it wasn't in what I accomplished through my business or my career that's when i had to make the shift and that's when i started to feel the difference in how i related to my ambition
0: hmm okay so something you touched on earlier and i, I think this is something we have in common how we look at perfection and being <laughs> a kind of recovering perfectionist oh, yeah so let, let's put your put your coach hat on some what, what? do you tell people, and especially women? I mean, you you mostly work with women, and I I happen to know being a woman and someone who also works with a lot of women that this is something that probably plagues women more than yeah. men. It, it's yeah. not to say men are immune to it, but this yeah. whole thing with perfection, you know what? What do you say to that woman entrepreneur or, or aspiring woman entrepreneur who feels she has to be perfect. The, the business plan has to be perfect. The, the tool, yes. the technology, the website has to be perfect.
1: Nothing pains me more when um, a woman comes to me and, and needs to have a perfect business plan and is not gonna use that business plan for anything. It just, you know, like a perfect business plan it's perfect if you need an investor or bank loans or something, but that action, that practice is the most important. So to answer your question, the first thing I will say, and I'm admitting to myself too, is I am a recovering perfectionist, meaning perfectionism is always going to be inside of me. I used to try to eliminate this icky, nagging issue of perfectionism because it wasn't serving me. And it, constantly created a fight inside of me to not embrace all parts of me and so as I experienced this fight over and over again something shifted to to understand and realize that the first thing that I tell my clients and myself is let's first just acknowledge that we have a perfectionism gene And I like to relate to it as an eye for excellence. That's interesting, a perfectionism gene. It is. I mean, you're right about women. Women naturally are wired to have an eye for detail. And so we see a lot of things differently. Men move quicker because they can just glaze over details. We see when things aren't where they need to be, not properly lined up. This question hasn't been answered. Our brains are wired that way. And I think it's a great skill to have. And we need to honor and recognize it's our eye for excellence. Now, with that being said, you have to have the level of discernment to decide when the eye for excellence is appropriate or not. So here's what I do number one, you recognize this is my eye of excellence. Number two, you feel into the project. Let's say you're working on, we could talk about the business plan. Let's say you're working on your business plan. Now it's important to have a plan, some type of strategic plan, business plan for the year, whatever that case, whatever that may be. You're working on your plan. The first thing that I do is have set a timer and have you run through it for like 30 minutes or an hour, just bust out the rough draft pieces of it. And then you want to fill into how important is this? Like what significance am I putting on this business plan and what is my intention and and how is it going to be used? Because when I did my strategic plan, let's talk about last year, when I did my strategic plan, I knew that the only people that was going to see it was myself and my team, because it's going to instruct the way that we're going to go, which means that it didn't have to be a hundred percent perfect. Because it wasn't going to somebody who was evaluating it for their investment or for their bank or whatever the case may be. So I got it to a straw man. I felt into the intention. And then I put a time limit on how long I was going to focus and work on this particular project. When I felt like it was at that point where I was... Okay, the project being the strategic plan itself? Yeah, the strategic plan. I... Sometimes it's hard to articulate, but you can feel into when you're done with something. You can feel into, like, you know how I talk about being a dead horse? You can feel when you done beat the project dead bloody pulp and you're going back to the computer like, okay, let me work on this plan again. When you're no longer excited and enthusiastic about it, you've reached your stopping point. Mm-hmm. So wrap it up, make it the best it can be and go share it or start acting on it. When you start putting energy into the plan, the project, whatever it is, it will then start growing its own legs that you can add back to it. So I just say, when we are looking at anything, like if you're doing your business plan or if you're creating some type of project and you're trying to get it perfect, pay attention to when you start feeling that level of exhaustion or not being as enthusiastic about it anymore right. that's probably when you need to stop and shift into action to build some more momentum around it.
0: Oh boy. Now that that was a gem. I, I hope mm-hmm. I hope you guys caught that because that happens a lot.
1: Yes. <laughs>
0: That happens a lot when, when we are working on something and you're so concerned about it being perfect and you just keep, it it, it gets into almost nitpicking and picking yes. it apart. And, you know, sometimes we don't realize that we are actually, it, it's kind of a, a procrastination thing. It's, it's a, a form of resistance. We're, we're really just coming up with, a reason to keep fiddling around with the plan
1: yep. rather than executing the plan. Yeah. And you'll suck action, the life out of it. Action. Yep. Absolutely. And then you wonder why you don't finish the project because you suck the life out of the inspiration in the planning phase and then you don't want to do it anymore.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. Oh, okay.
1: But don't feel like perfectionism is bad. Just know how to utilize it. That's why I said in the beginning, hmm. recognize that you have, not everyone's a perfectionist, but you have an eye for excellence and learn to have more facility around it. So maybe your eye for excellence is great when you're working on a client project because you deliver high value service, high level quality work. But maybe when you're just trying to do a beta test for something, that's when you start saying, well, this is not time for perfectionism. Let me knock this out real quick and let it grow legs on its own.
0: Wow. Okay. All right. That That is good stuff. So let's shift gears just, just a bit because a major objective with this podcast is to help people not only just kind of get out of their way in general, but to get out of their own way in particular in terms of their mission and their money, their mission and their money. So let, let's talk a bit about that money.
1: Has. Yes, let's talk about it.
0: And you and I have talked about this some uh, offline, and, and guys, care and I, you know, full disclosure, we've known each other for a couple of years. Yeah. you know, we met at a conference. You 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 can meet some really cool, dope people. Yeah, you can. <laughs> and yeah. I mean, we've become buddies. But this whole thing with money and mindset and and being. Uh, you know, we're talking about being comfortable with ambition, being comfortable with money and being paid handsomely for yes. what you do. How have you navigated that? Because I, I know that has been challenging as well. I know it's challenging for some of your clients. Yes. How, how have you and have you overcome the that that whole you know, some of those limiting beliefs and, and, you know, I deserve to be where I am. I deserve to have this successful business and, and be making the money that I'm making. I mean, yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <Get into that. laughs> it's been a journey. It's definitely been a journey. Um, I will say that it was easier to be confident in my career because on paper and the resume and your, and your, um, you know, having my degrees and so forth. I could negotiate and think I'd go on salary.com and say the average market is this, that, and the other thing. So I was constantly the one who was advocating for my promotions. Business just threw me for a loop. So remember I'm going into building this company on an unemployment check. Now, granted, I did have my husband, but we both support the household. And so, um, it was, it was, it was, it's twofold. My ambition said, Kiera, you don't have a choice. If you want to be able to pay for this coach's training program, you have to charge people full pay. And that is the first time I had an experience of my money mindset. I'll give you a little story behind it. So in my coach's training program, there were three options. It was like a game, three options on how to enroll your clients. And every month we would come back and report how many full pay clients you had, how many partial pay, meaning if you provided a discount, or how many pro bono you had. Most of my cohort would go and lead with a pro bono, but I knew I didn't have a choice. So time and time again, I would show up to the program not having as many clients as my cohort, but knowing that I needed to be paid. And so it was the psychological game of, wait, I'm losing my ambition saying you're losing because you don't have as many clients as the other people. Mm -hmm. But then the the more practical side said, but you have to um, earn the full paid rate that they gave you. And so what that did was it forced me to sit in the discomfort of quote unquote losing the game, but standing in my worth. And believing in why I was, my intention and why I was in this program and overcoming that challenge of requesting what you're valued at. So that's one piece Mm -hmm. is being able to charge your worth. And so every single time that I've raised my rates, which I have because I've gone to a new credential level, I've got a new skill set, new results, I've had to practice feeling that worth before being able to actually achieve it. So I would do all kinds okay, of Okay, hold work. on. over <laughs> that. One.
0: Yes. Oh my goodness. So you, I, had, mm-hmm. you had
1: to feel the worth before yes. actually implementing it. Mm-hmm. And you know what I'm talking about. You've talked to people before who maybe you were interested in their services and you could hear the hemming and the hawing and the hesitation oh, yeah. when you got to that price point. Because they haven't felt into that worth. And so what I mean, like if I could break it down into an example, one of the things I used to do to feel into that worthiness was I would take myself out on regular work dates and I would sit in the lobby of the Ritz Carlton or maybe sit in their restaurant with my laptop and do my work and treat myself to lunch. And I would get dressed and I would pretend as if I was on a business trip and I was staying in that hotel and I was just answering a couple quick emails before my next meeting. Mm -hmm. I would do games like that all the time to feel what it would feel like to be at that next level. So then I could bring that same feeling up when I'm on my sales calls and I didn't have that hemming and hawing. Sometimes I tell my ladies um, when they have a difficult time kind of feeling into it. You can imagine anything. You can sit and imagine yourself eating the best cheese fries from Outback ever. <laughs> I taste those things right now. But you can conjure feelings in your body. And once you're able to do that, you can let that confidence exude into when you're on sales calls. But sales calls is one thing. Mm-hmm. The thing about the money mindset is a whole other thing. So shifting gears a bit. I think the biggest thing, and and you talk about this too, we'll pay attention to revenue all the time, but are we paying attention to profit? Are we paying ourselves a salary? Are we pricing things in the appropriate way? Are we paying attention to our expenses to make sure that we are um, right side up? I was doing none of that. Yeah. So my husband has an accounting background and a technical background. So I call him the CFIO. He's the chief financial and information technology officer in my business. Mm-hmm. I do not for the first couple of years. I just passed all my business management expenses over him. Mm-hmm. He ran my QuickBooks. He managed all money coming in. I was never looking at my P&L statements. I wasn't being with my money at all. And I realized not having a relationship with my money not being able to see how much my expenses were, how much money I was bringing in, if there was profit, what my salary was, was just like being an ostrich sticking my head in the ground and not trying to pay attention. And so it kept a limiting belief in my head that I'm not good with money. My business isn't making money. Money is scarce. Because if money is scarce, if I can't see it, then it doesn't exist. So sub- subconsciously, I was avoiding being with my money to prove my limiting beliefs correct, mm. although I desired a different level of wealth. It was crazy. It was crazy. Wow.
0: Okay, so you, <laughs> you were desiring one thing. Yep. But your actions and and you mentioned the subconscious as well, which which is so powerful. And I know even for myself, I, I don't think I really got it in terms of what often happens in our subconscious
1: minds. Yeah. It
0: sabotages us until probably two to three years ago. Because we we will say one thing. We will dream one thing. We, we may envision one thing, but our subconscious mind is saying something else. And if we don't yes. tap into that, then sometimes unknowingly, that's really where we're operating from. You, you can say, I, I want a six-figure business. I want a seven-figure business. But your subconscious mind is saying you ain't going to get that. Uh-huh. And let me show you how I can well, sabotage you. Are you nine, you a nine-to-five <laughs> person, and all <laughs> yep. you're going to have is that nine-to-five job. And not saying having a nine-to-five job is bad. Guys, don't don't misunderstand uh, me with that. But if you want more than that,
1: it, it all has to be consistent. What, what were you going to say? Yes. No, I mean, I agree with everything you're saying. The subconscious is like, I don't know about that. Let me show you how I can sabotage you real quick. And it can sabotage you quickly. And, and that was a form of sabotage. Here, I'm thinking I'm delegating, like they say, <laughs> always delegate. Yeah. And I was ignoring. So one day I remember having a conversation with my coach, because I believe coaches should always be coached. And she challenged me. She said, take all your finances back from your husband. And it scared the living mm. crap out of me. Like, what? I was like, I don't got time for that. Did, did you what say he the-
0: likes doing that?
1: You know, I did. He looked at me like, babe, are you sure? Like, I don't know about that. <laughs> you know, <laughs> he like. its
0: concerned too,
1: huh? Yeah, he was like, you got to pay stuff on time. I said, no, I can do it. I can do it. <laughs> If it wasn't the most painful six months, Rachel, I'm telling you, he would have to come in and say, "Hey, did you, you know, reconcile your account? Did you bring your P and L?" And I'm like, "Okay, okay, okay." And it was, it was tough. But here's what I will say to everyone listening: You have relationships with any and everything in this world. You have relationships with people. You have relationships with past memories. You have relationships with intangible audience uh, objects. You have a relationship was money. And the way I was treating money was like, it was some ex lover that did me dirty, blocked the phone number, didn't want to have anything to do with you. Don't pretend like you see me at the grocery store. I'm going to look over here and let my girlfriend talk to you. Like I didn't want to have anything to do with managing the money in my business. Think about taking A broken relationship and having to shift it into a relationship where you could trust each other, where you guys are friends, you're hanging out more often. I had to do that work. And a lot of my clients have to do that work. And we typically take a couple months, if not the whole program, to really shift from I don't trust you money, you don't show up when I need you to show up, to I trust you so much and I'm rocking with you every week. I'm looking at my bank statement every week. I'm excited, and this is where I am now. I love looking at my P and L statement. Mm. I put little post-it notes on my um on my monitor that says, "Congratulations! This month you increased your revenue by X Y Z percent, and your profit margin by X Y Z percent." There you go. So you have to have a committed and focused effort to shift your relationship to money. And there's two books I'll mention that have changed everything for me. Sure. And you can put them in the show notes as well. Um, I, a lot of people have heard of this book. It's a bestseller. You're a Badass at Making Money by Jen Sincero. That, that book shifted my mindset Yeah, that's Yeah, that's it. the
0: one that does focus more on money. So it, it's not just because, not to be confused with you are a badass, but this one yes. specifically focuses on money.
1: Yes. And she does speak into like the energy and she does keep it very general. So you may need to exchange universe with God or spirit or things like that. But she does talk about money has energy and how important it is to recognize that you can have a relationship with that energy. So that book got my mind set together. And that's one of the books I give to all of my private clients when they work with me. And then the second book I give is Profit First. Hmm. by Mike Michalowicz. I I never can say his last name, but I kid you. (laughs) It's (laughs) tough. Yeah. We'll link it. Um, That book is the structural book that helps you organize your business finances, that was responsible for me increasing my profit margins by 124% in six months. It it is, my, my clients completely transformed by me holding them accountable to the structure. So we'll work on the mindset with money, but also making sure that they are following the structure and it shifts everything. So I would highly recommend both of those books and getting a lot of accountability around shifting your relationship to money.
0: Wow. Okay. All right. Good stuff. Okay. So we're, we're, we're wrapping up. This has been awesome. So Kara share with us what, what is a typical day in the life of, of Kiara? And, and let's say, kind of an ideal day, what you would prefer (laughs) to happen. Now, of course, you you can share, you know, what it looks like when that doesn't quite happen as well. But, you know, and and in in particular, tell us something that you do or you try to do every day that, that drives results.
1: Yes. Okay. So, gosh, this is, there's so many things in my day that have supported me. All right. So first things first, I wake up and I journal. I call it a clearing. Uh, get all the clutter out of my head that I'm concerned about, worried about things that I'm thinking of. You know how sometimes the stuff lingers on from the day before, so I clear all that out in a free writing journal, and then I set my intention for the day. Usually, it's a phrase. It's like, um, I think today is having grace because. Sometimes there needs to be a little bit more grace, especially as being highly ambitious or really hard on ourselves. And so I realized, yeah. you know, I need to have a lot more grace. So that's my intention for the day. Then I will move into, and then after getting dressed and having my breakfast and so forth, right? From a work perspective, I'll open up my, my notebook. I still have the old school agenda where you write things down because I love doing it that way as well. Um, I list out my top three things that have to get done that are usually tied to revenue or money making activities. Mm. I have a lot of support structures in place. Every day I do power hours with another coach so that we're really focused on that, but I'll tell you about that a little bit later because that happens in the afternoon. So I do my free writing for my journal, set my intention, and then I set my top three money making activities for that day. Usually in the morning from nine to noon, I have my coaching. I'm the best in the morning. And so I'll have all my coaching calls. And in between each call, I'll do a little bit of breathing, just to disconnect from that energy to shift into the next client. Then I'll have my lunch. And then I go into my productive time of the day, like the afternoon. It's usually when you hit that slump, but also Mm -hmm. where I get the most support. And so every single day, either between 1 to 3 o'clock i have an hour of time that's called a power hour and i've set up a different power hour with every for every day with a different person so today for example at 2 o'clock i'll be meeting with one of my other coaching colleagues we will hop on zoom and we will state in this hour i'm going to get done x y z and it better be something that moves your business forward and Mm -hmm. And at the end of it, so we'll get on a Zoom call. We'll be able to see each other. We'll put ourselves on mute and we start working. The cool thing about this is if I'm watching you and you're supposed to be working on some document or making phone calls to potential clients and I just see you tapping away at your phone, I know you're not making those calls. I'll come off of mute and call you out because you're scrolling through Instagram, you know? It's real. But there's an accountability thing. It's real, yeah, it's real. I've had it happen to me. Right next thing you know, they see me snacking on something. Like, aren't you supposed to be working on some something? And I'm like, Snacking on cheese fries. Girl. <laughs> or be too far away from the computer too long. And they'd be like, where are you at? So um, that structure has been very helpful because on the busiest of days, if it's full of meetings, I know that every day I at least have one hour that I can get some really important things done. And then by the end of the day, I usually go on some type of walk, some type of exercise. I need a way to get rid of that stress from the day, the busy momentum of the day before I transition into home life. So that's a typical day. I will definitely say those power hours, hands down, if you haven't tried a power hour, Create that structure with somebody you trust that you want to be held accountable to, and it will really help you make sure you get your top three things done in the day. Mm,
0: power hour. I like that. I like that. Okay. So share with us how people can stay connected with you, What what's going on that you're excited about, and anything
1: you want to tell us about. Yeah, for sure. So you can find more information out about our company, different blog posts that we put out about ambition and shifting that into intuitive leadership at theambitionstudio.co. That's theambitionstudio.co. I'm also the ambition studio on Instagram, on Facebook. Um, I'm constantly posting things just to inspire you and give you tips and tricks. And I'm really excited because... I'm really focused on helping you strengthen your intuition so that it's not always about doing and efforting. And we have a really cool tool on our website that is an intuitive decision-making flow chart. You know, those times where you have those really difficult decisions and you really don't know which way to turn. So you just turn to five different million people and get a whole bunch of different advice, just validate what you already know. Yeah. this really cool tool. It's a flow chart. Kind of like pick your own adventure. It's going to help you walk through, okay, what's your difficult decision and how do you need to navigate the decision to be able to trust your gut? So if you're interested in grabbing that, it's on the website, theambitionstudio.co and definitely follow me on Instagram. That's where most of the fun is anyhow.
0: Oh yeah, pretty, pretty much. Okay, <laughs> wonderful. All right, so... Guys, I, I hope you, you followed my advice and you're taking notes. I mean, if not, you, you can listen to this again. I, I strongly encourage you to do so. So, with that, we are going to
1: end. <laughs> <laughs> this was so great, though. I, I love it. I know, I know. We could have gone on for hours. I know. Now,
0: before, before we go, Kiara you know, I, I like to lighten things up. Sometimes mm-hmm. we get a little, we get a little heavy. So do you have a joke
1: to share? <laughs> oh, man. It's a I... corny. I mean, a little. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Do I have a joke to share? I'm so terrible at jokes. Oh, I was just told a joke the other day. You know what it is? It's not when the little kids constantly tell you the same old jokes over and over again. They're so mm-hmm. cornball. I can't hmm Oh. Gosh, I'm stumped right now. Coming to coming. Nothing's by. coming to mind right
0: now. Okay. Well, I just wanted to check. <laughs> 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 just wanted to double check. All right. So instead of the joke, we're gonna play a, a little, just a little word association. All right. Okay, okay, okay. So are you it. are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. Ambition.
1: Me. <laughs> Okay. Baby. Oh my baby girl. <laughs> Washington DC. <sighs> um, busy. <laughs> mm-hmm. Food. So good. Woman of color. Powerful. I think we will end
0: right there. All right. So guys, thanks again for joining. I am sure that you got a ton of value out of this. So if you have not already done so, I invite you to subscribe. The podcast is available on Apple. Google, Stitcher, Spotify, or iHeart. I mean, just about everywhere where you can hear podcasts. And by all means, don't keep this to yourselves. Tell someone, tell your friends, tell your homies, tell your significant other, tell your significant mother, tell your mentor, tell your mentee, tell someone Who wants to be free? I know, I know, I'm flowing. I I know it. Tell someone about Project Get Out The Way podcast. Until next time, this has been Rachel Wilson Thibodeau along with Piera Fenderson. Take care and take action.